This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, hi there. I, I want to say good morning, but, uh, you know, for some people, they don't realize that we're bi-coastal, right? Well, yes, right, because, you know, it's three hours earlier where you are. You're in California, and I'm here in New York. So for me, it's afternoon. For you, it's morning. Absolutely. So hello, Mom. Hi. Hi, and uh, good morning, <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> well, um, Heidi, I wanted to talk a little bit about our new adventure, as it were, our new public access TV show, right? Yeah, it's exciting. We now are on television, not just on the radio. Yeah, and uh, you can uh, look at our shows. Go to our website, opentohope.com, and you'll see our uh, TV shows on the front of our site, and you can go to TV and watch us. So we did a great show with Pat Loader, the executive di- director of Compassionate Friends, and Ken Druck, and Chris Donahoe on child loss. We've done one on loss of a spouse, and uh, we're and I, I thought it was interesting. We did a cooking segment, cooking for one, right, Heidi? We did. We did. You know, on all the shows, we have three guests, like my mom said, and so we do different things. And at the end, usually we try to do something creative. And it was a really great show because, you know, it can be really easy not to cook for one and just to throw something in the microwave and call it a day. And he gave us great tips about how to cook for one. Chef Rob, right? Absolutely. It was fabulous. Yeah. And then, go ahead. Then recipes are on the front of our site, too, the three recipes. But uh, uh, on November 10th, Darcy Sims is going to be on uh, doing uh, Handling the Holidays, which I think is going to be an amazing show. We're going to have some kids sing from high school, Palo Alto High School, who's uh, one of the kids' uh, sisters died recently. And they're going to dedicate their song to her. And then we're also going to have this fabulous mansion in the Bay Area, which does, it's called Fioli, and they do fabulous flowers and things. And we're having a decorator come on and do a segment for us on things that you can do during the holidays to remember your loved one. Should be a great show, shouldn't it, Heidi? Absolutely. And I know a lot of people listening today know Darcy Sims. She is an incredible keynote speaker and she just touches your heart and talks about all the ways that you can transform your life after loss. And that's what these shows are about. They're not only about how you lost someone that you love, but it's, it's more about how we've gone on to transform our lives and find hope again after our loved ones have died. Absolutely. And we're working right now uh, uh, with getting Ken Ross to come on the show, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's son, to talk about loss of a parent. So... Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Well, Heidi, we've got a great guest today, don't we? We do, and this is someone that has also transformed her life after the loss of, of her own mother, and has written an amazing children's book, and I'm excited to have her on today, and I will introduce her. Her name is Amy Rovere, and Amy is a writer, editor, and artist, and she works at the American Cancer Society and helps create books for patients and families who are coping with cancer. When Amy was just nine years old, she lost her mother to cancer. Her book, And Still They Bloom, was inspired by this loss and by her desire to help children going through a similar experience. Welcome to the show, Amy. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. It's so great to have you on, Amy. And what a beautiful book, isn't it, Heidi? 
it's it's a fabulous book. And like I was telling my mom before the show, I love this book, Amy, because you talk about all the really significant parts for children about losing a loss, but you do it in a story form, which is so wonderful. And it's your own story. Well, it's not autobiographical, but it is mm-hmm. a story that's based on my my personal knowledge of loss. And uh, I'm a mom now, and knowing the power that stories hold to children, I thought that really addressing a lot of these issues in story form is going to be a way that would be most palatable to children and to also model for them that these are other children that have had loss and to show that they're, the children are not alone in coping with these, these intense feelings and that there is hope. And by showing another family going through this experience, I hope to provide that kind of hope for other families that are, are struggling. Well, I think you, in and of yourself, and writing this book and your story is just the story of hope because it shows what you've gone on to do. Talk a little bit about your mom and, and how old you were when she died and, and, and what she died of. Sure. Um, I was nine years old when she passed away. Um, my mother was diagnosed with lung cancer uh, in the fall of 1982, and uh, I think around September, and she passed away in February of, of 1983. So it was a very short period of time from when she was diagnosed to when she, she actually died. I was nine, and my brother was uh, almost 13. And we had been living with my mother. My parents were separated, and so she was our primary caregiver at the time. Wow. And yeah, she she was a smoker, and she uh, she had lung cancer. And what's her name? Judith. Hi, Judith. Judith. Okay. She went by yeah. Judy. Judy. Yeah. Yeah. So nine years old and an older brother, and you know, you talk a little bit in the book. I loved it about kids teasing or you know blowing off the younger kid or you know that kind of thing that was very touching did that happen to you did you did you feel somewhat put down a little bit occasionally with your grief well my brother and I actually really came together after my mother um, passed away in large part because of the other circumstances of our family that we really turned to each other to lean on um, but, you know, as most brothers and sisters, we did have a bit of a contentious relationship. Um, so there there was some of that in, in terms of we went through different phases of, you know, wanting to play and, and you know, be a normal kid. And um, we weren't always on the same page about when we were really in the throes of grief and when we were trying to put one foot in front of the other and just be you know, go ahead with our lives and, and be a normal kid. So there there was conflict, and there, you know, there was some of that dynamic that you see yeah, in the book. Yeah, I, I love that you're saying that, Amy, because you hear about the fact that we're not always on the same page when you're talking about a spouse, a husband and a wife, but it's rare that people usually don't talk about the fact that someone's siblings are not grieving the same way, and they may not well, be on the same page at the same time. I think the family dynamic changes so dramatically when a, a member of the family um, dies. And while, you know, I think every person grieves that loss, I think each person does it in such an individual and unique way. And and I think all family members, whether they're siblings or, or 
you know, spouses and grandparents or every member of the family dynamic is going to be on their own journey of grief. And that's often going to conflict. Yeah, it's, it's with, aggravating. I remember after Scott died, uh, my son, uh, my husband would be maybe down and I would be getting up in the morning and saying, this is the day, you know, I'm going to get going this morning. And then they're looking sad and it's annoying. I, I think it, it must be tremendously difficult for so many families because we each have to go through our own process and that there is no prescribed timetable. Um, and it, it's something that I think families have to learn how to support each other even in those different places, when they're in those very different places of, of coping. Well, one thing you do well in this book is to normalize what kids are going through. And I, I love when you talk about cliches. People, you said in the book, people are saying stuff like she's in a better place, at least she's at peace. And the kids are saying, wait a minute, there was no better place for my mom than here with us. This makes us mad when people say that. Absolutely. That was something that really resonated with me, or, or I'm sorry, I should say didn't resonate with me as a child, is that people's attempts at offering comfort really fell flat. And and I understand now as an adult that, you know, we all do the best we can and people mean well and try to say supportive things. But especially for kids, there's there's no comfort in that um, that abstract idea of a better place or you know, that this idea of being at peace is, you know, kids are so rooted in their, the immediacy of their experience that they're not able to stand back and say, well, from this perspective, you know, you can look at it this way. It's, I think it's too difficult for kids to get that, that perspective. And so in those moments when people are saying these things meaning well, it's actually can be very hurtful. And, and, and alienating. I, I found that especially a lot of um, attempts to provide some type of of comfort through religious messaging, for me personally, I found very alienating. Ah, and another thing, and and you mentioned that your father and mother were separated. That you talk about in the book, which I re- really resonated with me, was the fact. And uh, am I safe? You know, it, it, what happens if something happens to you? And I would think it'd be even more difficult where your mom and dad were separated to be really, you know, wondering who's going to take care of us if something happens to dad. Well, you know, it, it certainly was a concern, and I think one of the long-lasting. Um, impacts of, of experiencing loss at a young age is this sense of fragility of life and how easily um, things can change. And that has, has really stuck with me throughout my life in this, this awareness that um, just because someone is here now doesn't mean that they're going to be there tomorrow. And I've had to learn how to cope with that anxiety and how to try to channel it into a more productive way of allowing me to to cherish the time that I do have with people rather than uh, agonize over, um, you know, how brief it may be. Now, how do, how do you console children? How are you consoled? I know in the book, the dad says, I'll be here, you know, for you. How do you, how do you console that anxiety? Heidi and I were talking about it a little bit with the 9-11 firefighter families, you know, the dad died, and how do you console them? Well, I do want to say that I'm not a grief counselor, and I don't have any official training in, in working with children, so I don't want to prescribe advice that really should come from experts in this area. But I do know what helped me and um, what has helped um, when I've had conversations with my daughter about loss is 
knowing that there is a plan in place so that in the event that I'm not going to be able to be here to take care of her, that there will be people that are going to take care of her and she's not going to be left on her own. Now, my husband and I are fortunately, we're together and we're alive and so it's not quite the same situation, but we have made plans in the event that something were to happen to us. And I think it's important that children know what those plans are, especially in the event that there has been a loss and these issues may be, you know, really in the forefront of of a child's mind, that that can provide comfort in knowing that, you know, uh, Aunt Paula is going to be here for you. And that I think that that can go a long way. I love that you did this, Amy, because in the book, you reassured the other children that father reassured them that he was, you know, healthy and et cetera, but you put a plan in place. And that the research supports this, by the way. Um, it says that's exactly what you need to do. And like my mom said, I worked on a 10-year study with Columbia University, with the fire department, and that's exactly what we did. The kids had so much anxiety. Their father had died. What was going to happen to their mother? And they needed to be reassured. It was highly unlikely that she was going to die. However, in the event of her death, this is who was going to take care of them. And that's and that, so well. You illustrated that so well in the book. Well, I think it's really important that we don't. We, we are not dismissive of these concerns mm -hmm. that children have. Because in that situation, you could say, oh, don't worry about it, I'll be fine. But that's not really going to address that fear that the child has. Because once you've experienced loss, you know that nobody can guarantee that they're going to be here tomorrow. I think it's important to be honest with kids and even with really young children. I think that the being able to address these issues and provide the comfort that, that will help children deal with the realities that life has and not be dismissive. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Because I think that can actually be very harmful. Now, Amy, I wanted to talk a little bit about the American Cancer Society publishing your book and what they do. I mean, it's wonderful that they have this uh, publishing. Yes, there are uh, 66 titles in print currently, and uh, the titles run the gamut. From uh, There's a, a large number of children's books. There are cookbooks. There are books that are um, about caregiving and uh, um, other types of coping in, in uh, family dynamic, and uh, as well as site-specific titles that provide information, detailed information about specific types of cancer. Uh, that's wonderful. Now, how will I find that if I've had uh, a death in the family or cancer? Um, where do I go? www.cancer.org slash bookstore. And the uh, cancer.org website has a tremendous amount of information for people that uh, have either been diagnosed with cancer or are, are concerned about their risk or are looking to connect with other cancer survivors. And then there is a bookstore um, on the site where you can purchase um, our books. They're also available anywhere books are sold. You can walk into your local bookstore and if they don't have uh, copies on the shelf, um, most bookstores uh, are more than happy to order them for you. Well, this is a beautiful book and um, the work by Amy, uh, Joel Spector is the artist that did the art. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, he's phenomenal. 
I, I was so moved uh, by his work, and uh, it was very important to me that the illustrations bring a sense of life and, and hope and light to the material, which obviously is quite heavy. And he just did a beautiful job portraying the real emotions that the children experience. And uh, I was so pleased with his work. He's just a phenomenal artist. Well, I would suggest everyone out there, if you've had um, a family member who's lost a child or even an adult family member, I will say there's so many pieces of wisdom in this, and it's it's approachable. You can read it, you can understand it, um, but it touches areas that need to be touched, don't you think, Heidi? Absolutely. I would say that this book is for any child that's grieving, regardless of, of the loss. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hope that uh, parents can also benefit from the book in learning ways that they can support their child uh, who is grieving, and mm-hmm. it hopefully we'll provide insight as well. You know, not every child is going to ask the questions that the children in this book do or show the same type of emotions that the characters in the book do. But that doesn't mean that those questions and those feelings aren't there under the surface. And more than anything, I really want this book to help start conversations between family members. I think Talking about grief is such a huge part of the healing process, and yet it's something that can be so difficult for children as well as adults to do. So my hope is is that families can read this book together or even read it separately, but then can use it as a tool to have conversations that might have been more difficult to start had they not read the book. Oh, thank you, Amy. And I will definitely be recommending this book and passing it on to anyone I know who's lost a uh, parent because it is, it's a very rich and full book. And thank you so much for all you're doing to help grieving families. And thanks for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Amy. Thank you for having me. Well, Heidi, what a great show today. Isn't Amy doing a wonderful service? This book is just amazing. Absolutely. And I like what she said. I think I'm totally on board with what she said. I think this is a place, this is a book that you sit down with your kids, you read it with them, and it starts to open up dialogue. Absolutely. And as I said earlier in the show, Amy is an example of how you do transform grief and go on to even work in this field like we have and helping other people. And she's just an example that life goes on, right? Absolutely. And she knows exactly what kids needed to hear and what they do need to hear. And because she's not only, like we always say, She not only talks the talk, but she walked the walk. She's been there. So she really gets it on a deep level. Absolutely. Well, thanks for uh, listening to the show today, and we hope you'll visit us at our website, opentohope.com, and please watch our new TV show. We're pretty excited about it, and give us some feedback, and you can go to Facebook, our Open to Hope Facebook page, and give us some feedback there, and make sure you list all your upcoming events on our international calendar, and take a look at our book, Open to Hope, Inspirational Stories of Handling Loss, and it's getting towards the holidays, and you might want to get our Open to Hope Inspirational um, stories for handling the holidays. Did I say that twice, Heidi? I'm not I don't sure. Think so. I think the first one was handling loss. Anyway, all right. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Doctors Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. 
You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.